Thank you, Pastor Yamkai. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. I wasn't sure whether I was supposed to stand up and wave or come up here and share the word. So here I am right now. Uh, I guess this is it. Well, uh, on behalf of our track president, Reverend Stanley Chua, I of course bring you greetings and also definitely his well wishes for all of you in Amokyo Methodist Church for your on this 44th anniversary that you are celebrating. I of course bring you greetings also on behalf of the fellow ch- your fellow sister churches in District 2. I uh, don't know whether you know that you are in District 2, all our 21 track churches. District 2, right? Yeah. Got me, got me, I, I heard a thing that I got, maybe I said something wrongly or what. Um, so there are six churches in total in District 2. And last Saturday, last Saturday, that's right, last Saturday we had a local conference and I asked your leaders and they knew everything. They, I mean, they had all the answers correct. Except maybe one, they were not too sure, but I think they answered all correctly. So I'm going to test all of you right now. Your fellow District 2 uh, churches. There are five others. Amokyo, of course, is one of them. Um, someone want to, I mean, the leaders keep quiet. Huh? You, you know the answers already. Um, the rest of you, do you know what your other sister churches are in District 2? I'll give you a hint. Two of them starts with a P. This easy hint. Paleba, very good, that's one. Another one? Pentecost, that's good. Okay, the rest, no, no more hints. It's up to you. Faith, nope. Did someone say what? Topayo? Nope. You guys are running down all the different... <laughs> We're going to be here for a long time. Anyone... Did someone say Trinity earlier? Trinity, yes. Trinity is one of them. Um, you have two more. Wow, very good. How do you all know? MCI. That's the one that most people forget. MCI. Yes. One final one. Final one. Badok, nope. Faith, nope. Faith, second time already, nope. Agape, nope. Okay, you just have like six more to go in 21. So you... <laughs> okay, it starts with, uh, starts with L. Living Hope, that's right. Very good. So all these are your sister churches in, uh, in uh, District 2. And of course, on behalf of them, bring you greetings. And, and of course, also the church that I'm currently serving in, Faith Methodist Church, which is not in District 2. I bring you greetings on behalf of that church as well. Uh, I want to thank your pastors and leaders for allowing me this wonderful privilege of sharing the word on your 44th anniversary service. Um, thank you so much. You know, when Pastor Anthony wrote me an email and he said, can you please preach on God as rewarder? Um, or I, t- I think he texted me or he sent me an email. He said, can you please preach on God as rewarder and something else? But I only read God as rewarder. And then he said something like, I think you'll be the best. I think you are suitable to preach this topic. And I didn't tell him anything. But in my mind, for 15 years as a pastor, I've never once preached on God as rewarder. So... So I think he had no idea that I have no idea what to say today. So please pray for me as I, as I seek. I mean, for your sake and my sake, better keep me in prayer as I share this word. Um, but it's a wonderful time and opportunity for me to explore this topic, to see what, what the Bible says about God as rewarder. And, um, you know, as I explored it further and I spent some time, the way my brain works is this. Usually for anniversary services, we kind of focus on God's faithfulness. That's, that's usually the case, isn't it? And that's what occurred earlier. We sang the song as well, Great is Thy Faithfulness. We usually focus on God's faithfulness. And so as I was thinking about it, how does God as rewarder also come into play? And I realized it does actually have a role or a part to play in the larger theme of God's faithfulness. And so maybe follow me on this. God's faithfulness to all of us as individuals, as well as to a church for 44 years, Amokyo Methodist Church, God has been consistently, constantly, 
and unconditionally faithful to all of us and to Amokyo. But is that meant to be the end of the story? That all we can say is God is faithful to us, full stop. Or is there a second part that should come along? That God is faithful to us and therefore we should also be faithful to Him. And I think maybe that's, that's correct. If we just simply stop at God as faithful, we kind of, it's not wrong, but it's incomplete. For example, God loves us. Do we just end there? No. God loves us and He loved us first, but now we are called to love Him and to love one another. We know God is gracious to us, but is that the end of the story? But no, God is gracious to us and as people who have received His grace, we ought to also be gracious to others. And so if God has been faithful to us, that's not the end of the story. We are also called to be faithful to Him and the way we minister and serve one another to be faithful also in our relationships. So we are called to do just that. And that's where I think the idea of God as rewarder really comes in and fits in very nicely. I know it might not make perfect sense here, and I pray it does make sense at the end of the message. But let me share something first before we jump into that. Um, I'm at this age now where I can use, I just realized several weeks ago in church preaching, I'm at this age now where I can use things like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I'm old. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm just old. So about... 20 to 25 years ago, see what I mean? 20 to 25 years ago, I used to enjoy this particular water sport called wakeboarding. You all know what wakeboarding is? So, wow, you all, you have a wakeboarding ministry here? All of you seem to know what wakeboarding is. Um, we, we should get your pastor out one of these days to do wakeboarding. You know what his nickname is? You don't know the, his nickname? You don't? Oh, oh. This is terrible. You don't know his nickname? Okay, Hokkien, Hokkien, Hokkien word. Right? It's called Tauni. It's, you all know it's, it's soybean, right? It means soybean milk, right? Yeah. And the reason, get my guess. Why do you think his nickname is Tauni? Because it's what? Very fair. Yeah, it looks like soybean milk. That's why his nickname, you already know that. Okay, I mean, okay, don't, don't start calling him Pastor Tauni from now on. That's not the intention of me sharing that bit of information. But wakeboarding is done out in the sea, under the sun. And I was saying, maybe we should one day go there. So maybe he looked a bit like, maybe we can get him to look like Chin Chow after a while or something. We don't know. <laughs> but I used to enjoy wakeboarding. And um, the way my, my work was scheduled, I could go two or three times in a week. And I'll, and I'll run there about two, to, two, two o'clock. I'll stay like three hours in the sea doing wakeboarding. What's wakeboarding like? Wakeboarding is where a boat is pulling you. And it's almost like water ski. But the boat is pulling you, but instead of skis, you're on like a shortened um, surfboard. And there are boots attached to the board. So what you do is you put your feet into the boots, and then you get hauled around, you get pulled around by the boat. That's going around quite, quite fast, like water ski. But instead of water skiing where you are going face front, wake, well, you guys know this, wakeboarding, you go on the side. So you can choose which leg you prefer. I mean, which, so you can go either left or you can go to the right. That's wakeboarding. 
And, um, and then we'll, of course, you can do stunts. Not just going like that, that's so boring. You can, you can do stunts. You can pop in the air, you can jump, you can do things and all that. So in fact, I got this photo for you to see. Um, and it's, it's, I'm so sorry, the resolution isn't the best, but that's, here's weight warning for you. See the stunts there? Oh, not bad, right? But that's not me. <laughs> just, just in case. I mean, just, that's not me. Uh, but, yeah, so these are the things that we try to do. We try, we try. Um, and so we got to go, I mean, we did it many times. A couple of friends and I, about four of us, we'll share a boat, we get out to the sea and we'll do, we try to do things like that. And you can see the boat in front is pulling the guy and he's up there and he's doing stunts. So it came to a point in time where we got quite good at all our, the usual ones. We could do stunts on the water. I could move around from left, I switch to the right, right, I switch to the left. I could, I could pull all the way out to the extreme and go at high speed and just watch how the, how the board cuts through the water and the water comes out in a very, very nice way. The reason why it's called wake boarding though is because when a, when a boat moves, there are wakes that are formed. And that's how you do stunts on it. You can, and you can do stunts like jumping into the air. So this is how it works. The boat is going really quickly. And then let's say someone will go all the way to the side and you're holding on with full tension, going at really, really fast speeds. And you're cutting your board in a sense, slicing into the water. And then once you get enough and you're ready, you cut back in very quickly. And you kind of go down. And when you hit the wake, you can pop or you can jump at the same time. And you get air and you go up and you come down. And so that's what we were trying one day. And I was doing it. A couple of friends and I were all going over it over and over again. And then it came to my turn. And I did that. I pulled all the way out to the side. I remember this. It was the boats in front. I went all the way to the right-hand side and was holding on to it. And finally, I thought, okay, looks cut, what, uh, the water looks calm enough. The speed is there. The tension is there. Let's cut back in and do a jump. And so I cut back in. And the wake was there and it's big. And when I hit it, I stood up and I went up into the air. It was really quite high. Now, this was something that we learned. You might be wondering, when the boat is pulling you and you're in the air, how do you land on the other side? You might just land flat in front of your face, and that's painful. I've had it happen to me a few times. Very painful. But I was in the air, and the instructor told me this. In order to land, and to land properly, on your feet, on the board, on the other side, you have to do this. Always look at where you want to land. Always, always look at where you want to land. So I remember that we had a, I had a couple of smaller jumps and it was okay. It worked because I was, I was paying attention. I was looking to the side and I made sure I land and I landed okay. But now this high one popped and it's up in the air. And I believe it was high because my friends on the boat started cheering. They started cheering. You know, if you ask them now, they'll probably tell you, no, it wasn't that high. But no, I, I, I think it was just sour grapes because they were cheering. When I went up in the air, they, whoa, and they were clapping. And I was doing that. And the moment they clapped, <laughs> because it's normal. I never had anyone clap for me before doing a stand on a wakeboard. But I was up there, I was trying to, trying to pay attention, trying to focus and trying to fix my gaze there. And I heard my friends cheering and clapping. I turned around, I gave them one smile. And that's the last thing I remembered. That's really, because I didn't land on the other side. The boat pulled me, and because the way I was, was looking forward, and the boat pulled me, I just went face down into the water. I kid you not, um, I kind of like lost consciousness for a bit, because it was hard. And after that, I lost a bit of my hearing for a while as well. 
So, I mean, that's, that's coming quite convenient. When people talk to me, I say, no, I didn't hear you. I walk away. I mean, right? <laughs> but no, it's healed already. God, I thank, thankful to God. But I went down hard. And my friends from saying, wow, they oh. <laughs> and the next thing they said, you okay? Not? Yeah, the boat had to come by me and you okay? Doing all right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was the end of my stunned career in wakeboarding. But it taught me a very, very important and critical and very essential lesson. And I was called to look there. I was, I was asked, I was tasked, I was instructed. that If I wanted to land well, if I wanted to finish well, if I wanted to um, do okay, I had to do something that was very unnatural. I had to put in a lot of purpose. I had to be intentional in focusing on doing something, and once again I use this word, unnatural. And I say unnatural because how many of us go through life as you are driving or walking or taking the lift, you go through life doing this all the time. You don't. You do it this way. Once in a while, you look around and then you come back here. But I was asked to do something that was unnatural like that. So number one, it was unnatural. Number two, it was, I was distracted when my friends started cheering. And I realized it's so important about this focusing on something. It might be unnatural. It might not be something that I feel comfortable doing or it comes like second nature to me. But in some things in life, I have to be very intentional to and be very purposeful in focusing and fixing on something if I want to land well. And I thought there was this particular verse in the book of Hebrews, or two verses actually. That's so all we're going to do. We're going to spend, spend time on just two verses and one more from Genesis and we're, we're finishing this, the message here. There's just two verses in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. And in particular, verse 2 of chapter 12 in the book of Hebrews. That seems to me, in my reading of it, that seems to tell me that Jesus also did something like focusing his gaze or being very intentional and purposeful, purposeful in looking at something as he journeyed through his ministry. And that's this verse. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse um, 2. Yeah. So just the fun part. It says, Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter, and I know some other translations use the, the words or the phrase, the author and finisher, or author and perfecter of our faith. But same idea, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set out for him. And that tells me something, that, that Jesus, this person that who is our example, our Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of Man, that even as he went through his ministry or his life here, there was this thing about him looking at the joy, for the joy, because of the joy, that this thing that's called in this verse, joy set out for him. And I'll show you the next verse later on, I mean the, the second portion. That because he focused on this thing, he fixed his gaze on it, and he was purposeful and intentional, it brought him through something. The next one, please. Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set out for him, this thing that he was looking and gazing on, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, what's my point here? It's this. 
Who sets out the joy for Jesus? Do you think Jesus set out the joy for himself? Or did someone else set out this thing called joy for him? Okay, so the, my suggestion would be this. I think, I think that when God called Jesus to fulfill his mission on earth and to live his life of earthly ministry for the three plus years and going through many things, um, oftentimes unfairly and unjustly, God told him, or at least God somehow indicated to Jesus that all these things that as God called him to be faithful in his ministry, there was this thing at the end of it that's called, in verse 2, joy. So Jesus was looking at, I'm going to use different words for this, Jesus was, was looking at this prize, at this end result, at this reward, while he was going through ministry. And because, we can have the verse up again, and because of him knowing about this joy, fixing his focus, being intentional and purposeful about for the joy, and he knew, he, he was aware of it, for the joy set out before him, because of this thing, he endured. He pressed through. He pushed through. He persevered on. And two things down there. One, Physical pain, the cross. Two, emotional pain, shame. So we know Jesus was obviously the Son of God, Holy Spirit in Him and all that. But even Him, even Him, He was also fully man. And as He was serving God and serving humanity, there were moments where He was discouraged. Do you think He was discouraged ever? Yeah. He spent time with, with God in prayer. And on the final, final evening, when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, He prayed, right? If it's your will, let this cup pass. But otherwise, I'm pressing through. I'm going to persevere on. Why? Yes, I'm here to fulfill your mission for me, but it's also that joy that's set before him. So to me, in my reading of this verse, there's this idea of a prize, a reward, something that Jesus was looking forward to at the end of his earthly ministry. And that somehow gave him the strength, gave him the encouragement. At the very least, it reminded him that he was called to fulfill these things, not just purely because he had to, but there's really this prize or reward at the end of it. If I look at this, in the next slide please, if you don't mind, thank you. I look at this, and I see the front, the, the first portion of verse 2. It says, Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I'm not sure about your Bibles, but in a few translations that I've looked at, the header for this portion here is called Jesus, our example. And I think that's why it says here, the pioneer and perfecter or the author and finisher of our faith. This is how Jesus ran his race in that sense. And we are called to look upon him as an example. And the reason why I say that is because verse 1 seems to indicate that. First one, if you don't mind, Hebrews 12, 1. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Sorry, not verse 1, the front portion of verse 2. This is it, thank you. So we're called to fix our eyes, to focus on Christ. Because He is our example, He's the author and finisher, 
He is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And if we were to fix our eyes from Him and to learn on how He ran His race well, He did so, of course, in full faithfulness and everything that He had, but He also endured through certain things, cross and the shame. And what gave Him some encouragement along the way? That joy that He knew was before Him. So if we are called to be faithful, and not only to be recipients of the faithfulness of God, I think if we look at Jesus as our example, then it tells us that there's also a reward or a prize at the end of our lives when we live it out in faithfulness. Verse 1 now, if you will, please, thank you. Verse 1 tells us, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we must, not we should, not we could, not it's a good idea, but we must. We must get rid of every weight and the sin that clings so closely and run with endurance. Interestingly, same word that we read about in verse 2. Jesus endured the cross. We run the race with endurance, the race set out for us. So it tells me something here. I'm called to be faithful, not just to receive the faithfulness of God. And in one way that I'm called to be faithful is, of course, I should just be faithful because God has been faithful to me. Yes, that's good. But another way, and it seems that what verse 1 is saying, is that it's not just that, but there's also something at the end. Because if I'm called to look at Jesus and how he pushed through the cross and the shame, and I, get, I will be able to get an idea on how I'm supposed to endure or get rid and also push through every weight and sin that clings to me. So how did Christ do that? For the joy set before him. How am I supposed to do that? Well, he's my fine example. If I'm going to look at him, he's not some magical thing. If I stare at Jesus' face long enough, suddenly there's some magical power that I can go through everything. No. But if I look at him as my example, then I should be reminded as well that there is a prize, a reward that God has set forth or set up before me at the end of this race that I'm called to run. And though I am not running this race just to get that, I don't think that's ever God's intention for us. To dangle this thing and say, you know, if you come here, I'll get you get this. No. I think that reward or prize is there to remind us and there to encourage us in moments where we feel low and tired and discouraged and just feel that this is not worth my time and energy and resolve. And that's where this, this idea of, but wait, God is a rewarder. And at the end of it, if we're going to persevere through endure, drop stuff that's holding us back, and we, and we look at how Christ ran his race, and we also follow the same way he runs his race, then we will know that there's this thing at the end there to encourage us and to strengthen us. And in such a manner, therefore, God will reward us. You know, Christ, we don't know exactly the, the kind of joy that he experienced because that was his prize and reward. I know we always talk about things that we read about like in Matthew chapter 25. What's one reward? Well, one reward is when we get up to heaven, we hear these words, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's one, that's one reward perhaps, or one facet 
of the reward. But we really don't know what kind of reward it is that God has in store for us. But maybe he's in our question. Is God really a rewarder? Or is God someone who just says, um, you do it because I call you to do it. And you have no choice. I think scripture is really quite clear that God does reward. Just jump to Genesis chapter, I think it was 15. After these things, this is verse 1 of Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham. That's before he became Abraham. After the covenant was cut with him in Genesis 17. But the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision and says, Fear not, Abraham. I am your shield. And in this translation, the one who will reward you with in great abundance. So no matter how you read this, you see that God is a God who rewards. Does God change? Does, does God's nature change? No, it doesn't change. Yeah, Malachi is very clear on that. Even Hebrews tells us, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever, and he's God. So God has always been a rewarder from back then. And therefore, we can look at this and say, yep, no matter what it is. In fact, other translations in Genesis 15.1, other translations put it this way, uh, where he tells Abraham, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. I am your exceedingly great reward. And from these verses and how Hebrews is read, some would tell us this. We don't know exactly what our reward is. Might be that one line, well done, my good and faithful servant. But it could well be that our reward is God or Christ himself. And that is the most amazing of rewards. Okay, I know this is an anniversary service and it's a joyous, joyous occasion and we celebrate God's faithfulness. I want to share with you something that I read or came across, an article that I came across in Fox News about a month or so ago. And uh, next slide, please, first this one. No, not this one. The one pre- well, okay. Well, the word is out now. You know what flag is this, right? <laughs> please don't tell me Singapore flag. I mean, it's the Afghanistan flag. Okay, so the next one, please. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I, this was the header of that um, article that I read. It says, Christians in Afghanistan face routine torture Persecution from family members, says watchdog groups. And I saw those, those words down there in a smaller print. I'm not sure if you can see it, but it says, some Christians have reportedly chosen to stay in Afghanistan to be salt and light in their country. And this is about a year after the US pulled out and they were having this report on how the country is doing. And so I read the article with interest, I'm wondering, oh, what, what does it say about these people? And I, but to summarize it, the article says this, there are Christians there who had every opportunity to leave the country. Every opportunity to just escape with everybody else. But those Christians that this article speaks about somehow made a decision and chose to stay on. Not saying any lesser, not saying anything lesser about the rest who left. But these ones felt that they were called, felt that their mission and their expression of faithfulness to God was to stay on in this country and be the salt and light. And in that article, there's one line that says that someone was interviewed and he said this, if all of us were to leave the country, we'd all be safe. 
But who is going to share Christ to those who are still here, who do not yet know Jesus Christ? And so that's their thing. And I read it and I'm wondering, wow, that's pressing through certain things. That's really persevering. That's enduring. And I, and I don't know for sure, but I kind of wonder whether these guys know, and maybe that's why they find some strength also and some encouragement, that at the end of it, no matter how much hardship they go through right now, like Christ, there's going to be a joy set before them at the end of it. There's going to be a prize. There will be a reward because God is a rewarder. I'm going to show you a final slide and you should recognize this, the final one. And I, I, I wanted to show you that photo because, well, it's a church building. But you are the church. Has God been faithful to you? As a church? As individuals? Do you think you're called to be faithful to Him? Yes or no? Don't have to say like a polite yes because I'm asking. You just say no, no. Yes or no? So the question is this. I mean, or rather the challenge therefore. The challenge for us all here in Amokyo to continuously be faithful to Him, to really fulfill His call and mission on all of us. And you know, you just came out from a three-year period of COVID. Was that easy? No, it wasn't. Did God see you through? He did. And in moments like this, I'm not saying there's going to be a COVID part two, but you never know what you're going to go through. And in times of those moments like those where you have to press through, you have to endure, you have to persevere and strive almost, put in every effort, put in all your, be very purposeful and be very intentional in being faithful, then one thing that you can encourage yourselves with and encourage one another is that God has been faithful to us. We are called to be faithful to Him, but it's not just for being faithful's sake. Because no matter what we are going through right now, God as a rewarder will have something at the end there for us to look forward to. And you ought to encourage each other with that and you owe it to yourself to do that with one another. Will you be faithful to God? Yep. Because God is your rewarder as well. Join me in prayer, will you? Father, we thank you for the simple word. We thank you for your love for this church. We thank you for your grace upon this church. We thank you for the giftings and the talents that are so apparent in this church. We thank you for the leadership that's taking their role of leading and serving very seriously. We thank you for the pastors who are pouring everything they have into loving your people and to ensuring that the call and mission of this church is fulfilled. We thank you for all these things. And we thank you, Lord, that you have been faithful to all in Amokyo for the past 44 years and you will continue to be faithful because that's who you are. But Lord, we thank you also that even as you call us to respond in faithfulness to you, there's also this encouragement that you give us, that you are not just a faithful God, but you are a God who rewards. And Lord, I pray that in the years to come, when we are tempted to turn our eyes away 
from fixing our eyes on Jesus to, to forget that there is a joy set before us, that there is a prize or that there is a reward. Give us the strength and remind us that we ought to keep our eyes and our focus and our gaze fixed, just as Christ fixed his, his gaze and focus, Lord. So continue, bless this church and use her truly for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says, Amen. Amen.